0: Amen. Amen. I just want to quickly continue in our series. This is the fifth week. I'll we'll see how far we can get, and we're going to receive communion here in a moment. But we're talking about the blessings of the Lord. And how many of you want to be blessed? little less hands from the first week when I mentioned that. Because when we talk about the blessing, we've been talking how God blesses us by breaking us. And what I mean by that is not for our destruction, but for our benefit. For our benefit. And so uh, this is the fourth part. I'll quickly recap here. Luke 24, it says, and it came to pass. A little background on that is it's on the road to Emmaus. Two disciples were walking. Uh, One's named Simon, a Cleopas, and the other is unknown, the disciple. And so uh, they're walking, they're talking about what happened, and Jesus being crucified, and he hasn't rose from the dead yet, and they're just, you know, it's it's, what a failure, what a failure they felt. And then Jesus shows up, and he walks, and he begins to talk, and he he rebukes them, actually, and he says, you slow of heart, and he begins to tell about all the way from the prophets, the Old Testament, about how the Messiah, this had to happen. And so in this moment, they get to their house, and uh, they said, hey, come stay for dinner. And this is the verse here. It says, that in pass as Jesus sat at meat with them. He took bread, he blessed it, and he break it, broke it, excuse me, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him. So we've talked each week about that, how when God blesses something, he breaks it. And then here's the thing, it's so ironic. The moment their eyes were opened, they saw Jesus, him, it's the son of God, he's risen. He disappears. Isn't that just like the Lord? You know, you know I prayed for someone here. They were healed, and, you know, then they disappear. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't on tape. Boy, if we only, you know, it's just, just how God is because God does a lot of things in secret. Amen? And, and uh, you need to trust that what you're doing, what you're praying, even you may not see the results of that, God is moving. Amen? And so it's in the breakings of life that we recognize Jesus and we recognize our Father and a a greater blessing and an understanding of Him. And and, uh, we said this, that how does He he break us? Well, He uses the principle of pruning. Of pruning, John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you stay joined to me. Can we just say that corporately together? Stay Join to me. Not me, but to the Father. Amen? Stay joined to him. Stay connected to him. And I stay joined to you. Then you produce lots of fruit, but you cannot do anything without me. And it just bears repeating because so many times we feel we can do so many things without the Lord in our life. And I said this, that nothing eternal is accomplished without the Lord. Amen? Nothing eternal. And so we mentioned also quickly that that God prunes even faithful Christians, and he does. He does. The scripture says in John 15, 1 to 2, Jesus says, I'm the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. How many want to produce more fruit? (laughs) Yes. And so God will do that. And here's the thing. You don't have to be doing something wrong to be pruned. And some of you feel, what is this this difficulty I'm going through in this situation? I feel like I'm doing something wrong. No, you're actually doing something right. So just lean into that process and know that God is going to do more through your life. Amen. Amen. And so we talked about this. We won't get into uh, each one of these about how does God prune us? His word, relationships, conviction, steps of faith. We kind of ended with that. You know, let me just say this: in steps of faith, joy is the direct result of obedience. Something that you know, I want to be happy, and happiness comes, and it's fun to have happy moments. But happiness actually means for the moment. How many know that you could be happy in one moment and just horrified the next? You know what I mean? What? They, you know, this happened, and, and it just can be taken away from you. But joy does not depend on what's happening around us. It's a deep within your spirit, a joy in your heart. No matter what happens, it's not based on circumstances. Amen? And so we said this, that, you know, trying to define God's will for our life, and taking steps of faith. And he said, Pastor, I'm, uh, I'm apprehensive. You know, what can you do? And we said that you can practice this 80-20 principle. And he said, well, what is that? If you will do 80% of God's will, that's very clear in the Bible. How many of you know the Bible is very clear about some subjects? If you would do that, he's going to show you that 20%. It is unclear to you. Let me give you a case in point. Uh, should I marry this girl or guy? <clears throat> well, it's clear in the Bible that if you're a Christian, they should be a Christian. Amen. Amen. Not, oh, I hope, you know what? He comes to church or she comes to church once in a while. Or, you know, I never see him reading the word. And, and they don't have a desire. And I always have to kind of get them to come to It's very clear. If you do the eighty percent, and if they're not and they're born again, hey, you can be their friend. You can witness to them, love on them, and uh, but you're not going to marry them. Amen. Because you just—it's the clear teachings in the Scripture talk about marrying an unbeliever in the the heartache in life. Okay. And so, uh, so do the eighty percent that's clear, and God will give you that twenty percent. You know, I remember being in Bible school, and someone read this passage to me. We was, it was a public speaker in, in Dallas, and he he just he quoted this scripture, and it so riveted me for the. I, the season I was in, a, a young man just got out of the Marine Corps, um, You know, just started dating my wife, soon-to-be wife, Rhonda, and just kind of wondering about everything in my whole life and it's confused and a lot of things. And it's like, how is all this stuff going to happen? And he just spoke one word, and it's First Thessalonians. It's kind of my life verse, and it says, he who has called you is faithful, and he will do it. And I just thought, that's such a simple verse faithful and utterly trustworthy as he has called you that he will do it did you get that he will do it. You see, for someone that always felt that I have to make it happen, no, God will do it. I just need to position myself in obedience, amen? And he will do that. So that was a good word for me. And so now, let me just quickly hear uh, this next point. How does God prune us through circumstances? And I don't want to lose you on this because I, I kind of dug a little bit deep, and I'm going to share something from a, a book that I'm presently reading that, is, ironically, is actually talking about pruning. But uh, how many know that, you know, God, the Father, he's the gardener, and he's the one that the scripture talks about that he cuts off these dead branches and God will use anything to prune us and good things and and let me just say this and I grew up in the word of faith and you know there's a lot of truth in that teaching but there's no theology for suffering in the word of faith everything is you know prosperity blessings overwhelming joy all the time how many of you know that's going to be in heaven, but that's not on earth all the time. You know, and the, and the Bible talks about suffering, but there was some good teaching in, in it that, that I, I believe come to a balance. But uh, God will use anything to prune us in, in situations where we need to grow. Um, some of the greatest things in my own life to be pruned were being married. There's the pruning process there. I mean, the Bible verse that the guy that prayed for us was, uh, as iron sharpens iron. So too, you know, your wife and you are gonna sharpen each other. I'm like, well that great verse to start off in your marriage. That verse came to pass and still does. <clears throat> And, uh, you know, parenting is a a great way of pruning. Isn't that right? Parenting is is huge. And, you know, even myself uh, in what I'm called to is pastoring a church. It's pruned me in in many ways. Sometimes I feel like a dried stick, you know, at times. But, you know, I would never consider myself a selfish person until I got married. That was pretty spiritual (laughs) until I got married. Some of you slowly got that, Yeah. You know, I think at one time uh, I'd always thought of myself and I wasn't thinking of my wife. And, and so I said, you know, t- was I, tell me where I was selfish. And she's like, oh, I have an example. So I'm going to share. Oh. <laughs> I forgot about these things, you know. And she goes, yes, one time it was Valentine's Day and yeah, we exchanged cards, but then you went out and bought yourself cologne but didn't buy me a gift. <laughs> yes, Oops. <laughs> but you know so uh, selfish you know and, and, and marriage God ordained that to be a tremendous blessing but there's a pruning process with that okay lean into that that's good and she did say this after she just came back from Hawaii Lucky Duck with her sisters and she said I just she had a great time there with them but she just said I just enjoy being with you wow that's good wouldn't it be terrible if she came back? She goes, ah, I wish I went back here with you. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Maybe the pruning process is working. I don't know. I, maybe I'm getting a little bit better. So God uses things, and he uses good things, and even, let me just say this in a life-giving way. There's negative things in our life that happen, things he did not plan Things he did not ordain for your life. Come on now. Things that where even the enemy comes in and and he will use those. He will use those. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. Okay? We live in a fallen world, but he will use those. He didn't cause them. He doesn't like them, but he will use them. Excuse me, use them. Our God, he uses circumstances to develop our character. Someone once said, lessons earned are being taught. Let me say that again. Lessons earned are being taught. And he uses circumstances to show us what really matters. And so God, the Father, he's the great gardener and, and he uses circumstance, circumstances to grow us even more and to conform us to the image of Christ. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> you know, going back to when I started back in 1988 and I was just, just started dating uh, Rhonda in, 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 in Bible school and uh, I worked a little bit for a part-time job here and there, a few hours here and there and there, and I remember we went into this store and she wanted to, she looked at this coat, she goes, oh, it's just a nice wool coat. And so I'm, I remembered that and I knew the store and so I didn't have any money. So then someone says, well, you can you come there hiring to work for Toys R Us in the, in the department store where it's like the warehouse. It's, and you go in and there's all these toys and you take and you wrap all these toys and, and it's pretty kind of mindless, okay? And so I went a few times and I'm trying to save up money for this coat for her, and, uh, but I was kind of nonchalant in my work habits. I wasn't really attentive. <laughs> and so some days if I was tired, they say, well, oh, jump in a car, we're going to work. Like ah, I'm just too tired. And so I noticed after a while, then, then when I show up, then one of the managers came out and there was a kid that he was there faithfully. He was there every day. You know, he worked, he worked hard. And I showed up with him and the, the manager wouldn't even look at me. Wouldn't even acknowledge me. And I kind of, that's stuck to this day, because I thought, you know, I don't like that feeling of, you know, you, you, know, you, you, you just weren't a good employee, and uh, so eventually I took the money and bought the coach, still has it today, and it was a blessing, but I learned something in that as a work habit and about uh, having leverage, and someone once said this, public loyalty will give you private leverage, I thought, hmm, I'm never going to forget that. That's true. <clears throat> so I've gotten into trouble in this area, and we're talking about circumstances, uh, helping people uh, and rescuing people. Uh, I can. I remember the Holy Spirit telling me one time, Mike, you are thwarting my process in their life. Did you hear that? Why? Because I see someone that may be suffering or they're hurting. What is the first thing you want to do? Help them. Help them through that. I'm not saying that that's wrong and then we shouldn't do that. But uh, you know, you try to help everyone. How many know you can't? How many know people are in the process of pruning and they need to be pruned and it hurts? It hurts. And especially when you're a pastor and you care for people and you see them. You know, and and many, sometimes people making destructive choices. It hurts. And so I was this, you know, uh, I don't know, we're trying to play the Holy Spirit. I remember if we first started the church, I did everything for Everybody. And then they still left, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know. I don't think that worked pretty good. And so I learned a little bit of wisdom to temper that. But especially, let me just say this, when it comes to your children, okay, now breathe in, breathe out, I'm I'm probably the biggest culprit in this, helping the kids. And how many know you're supposed to help them, train them, get them to a place they stand on their two feet, but there's a time that they need to fall. And there's a time that you can't be there running with the band-aids all the time to patch them up. You have to trust the Lord with the process that, that they are first, the Lord's, more than you. Boy, that hurt me the most. I remember, I had, I've shared this before, but with my son, Zach, um, he was 17 months old. And so I would, you know, out of my wounds, you know, never hearing my father say he loved me, never, I was like, I'm not gonna let that happen to my kids. So every day I would tell him, I would tell him, Daddy loves you, Daddy loves you. And even the babysitters would walk in and say, Hi, Mike, Daddy loves you. You know, they just, I said it so many times, and I kid. But, you know, I meant it, but it was kind of like a wound inside me that the Lord needed to heal. And uh, I remember he was in his, uh, the, his bed there, the crib, or whatever you want to call it, and he, he crawls over, he's just at that age, 17 months old, they didn't want to get into everything, he crawls over, he falls, he breaks his wrist. And then Rana said he's not moving. He's she's crying. I was like, okay, let's take him in. Took him in. Did an X-ray. He said yes. They put a cast on him, and I was devastated. I was devastated. And he said, Why? I, said, I was like, Lord, why? This is my son. And how come you didn't protect him in this? And the Lord said, This. He rebuked me. And he said, He is my son first boy, that really struck home. And he said, I have called you to put into him everything in my word that you know and teach him and to love him, but he is mine first, and I will take care of him. Okay. And there's something that just broke in in my heart, and and of course, we got him the little plastic bed that's only a foot off the ground after that, so he'd fall out, wouldn't matter. And uh, I was like, okay, you can't be caged, you need to be out so, <clears throat> but something happened. And, and I share that is that, that there are going to be times and seasons in our life, especially with our kids, we got to trust God. They feel like they're walking, falling off out of things. And they feel like, you know what, where are you, the Lord? He's there. He's going to watch over them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved and thy household. Hang on to that. Amen? Parents, hang on to that. So, Um, so just very quickly circumstances and then we're going to take communion here some spiritual and practical situations how many know God cares about your vocation and your job which you do God will prune you even in your work I mean you spend most of your life there right Think he's going to only prune you when you get off at five or three or whatever it is? I'm going to start pruning. I'm going to leave you alone at work. Oh, no. Some of you know right now, like, oh, I deal with people right there. Like, they're like brush hogs when I see them, you know? It's like, you're going to get sucked up and wood chipped out. I don't know why I said that, but... God cares about your vocation. You know, Kim mentioned in passing when we were with Joel and Kim, and she mentions a book she read, and it's called Necessary Endings. And I went, I I like that term. And so I ordered the book. I started reading it just not too long ago here. And it's by Dr. Henry Cloud. And he introduces, he talks about how there are certain things in your life that have to end. And it's just, a, it's, a, it's been a fascinating book. But early on in it, and I'm just in a few chapters in, he uses the concept of pruning. I thought, I'm, just, I'm talking about this, this is interesting. And so he talks about how pruning a rose bush and, um, at, the, at the beginning of the book. And he says this, he says that we should approach our lives much like a skilled gardener would a rose bush. Apparently, he goes on to say that any gardener knows that in order to create and sustain the healthiest roses, pruning is essential. And so he brings out these three points. and I'm going to go through them really quickly here. When pruning is necessary and then when we receive communion, he says when the bush produces more buds than it can sustain, roses will do that. They will produce more buds. And so he said, a healthy rose bush will produce too many buds. And what that leads to is overgrowth. and it creates a drain on the plant. And if you leave that unchecked, ultimately, most of the flowers, they'll survive, but watch this, they won't thrive. Did you get that? They'll survive, but they won't thrive. Thrive meaning to grow, develop, develop well, vigorously, prosper, to flourish. And so what does the gardener have to do? He has to make the difficult, watch this, the difficult decision to prune good buds for the best. Good buds for the best. You know, uh, Jeff, I don't know if he's here, Burgess, he came up to me uh, last Sunday, and he shared a tremendous illustration that when he was on the road in his vocation and doing some delivery, uh, he delivers to some vineyards and places that they grow grapes, and, and he noticed that uh, someone was cutting, hopefully I get the story correct, Jeff, but that he was trimming a grapevine, and it's basically a stick. And he's like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm pruning that. He goes, it's pretty much basically nothing. He goes, you've got to prune 80 to 85% of it. He said, if I don't do this, the farmer said, he said, I can get another 15 or or, or so pounds of grapes. He said, but the quality of those grapes won't be near as good if I prune this down, I only get six or eight pounds, and the taste is wonderful. 80 to 85%. Wow. What does that say to us? God's Committed to pruning our lives. And suddenly, right now, you feel like a stick. That's okay. You're producing some good fruit. Amen. So, so our lives are very similar to a rose bush being, you know, pruned. How many of you know there are things in our life that, that there's a lot of good things, so many opportunities and commitments and endeavors and relationships that at times we can feel overwhelmed? Overwhelmed. And at times, our resources are stretched. <clears throat> and no, nothing or no one is really getting our full attention because we're so focused on work or you know our new business startup or whatever and our kids are lacking. How many you know that when you, at times uh, I can remember this, just, just uh, it, we, we didn't have a church office. I worked at home. The kids would come when they were little before they were in school at the most inconvenient times. What is that? And they want you to hug them then and you're like, I am in the middle. But before you want to go out and hug them and they don't want anything to do with you because they're playtime. But at the most inconvenient times, those are the times you have to stop and go, no, it's important right now. It's important right now that I reach out to you, amen? And so, so what happens is we're not thriving. We're not thriving, and God wants us to thrive. Can you say Amen? He wants us to thrive, and and so what would happen if you just you know pruned, you took, cut cut out some of those things? So so there's a spiritual component that God has committed to pruning us, but there are some natural things in our own life we could take the steps too. That's what the Lord is saying here this morning, and so <clears throat> you know. Taking, you know, get rid of the good for the sake of the best. And let me just encourage you, probably many of you, this speaks to, especially the younger generation, is your social media relationships. How many of you know you can prune some of those? Amen. It's called unfriend, okay? It's just a little click, and they don't know. You do it, okay? But eventually, I guess they, they pick that up. You know, according to brain research in theory, it says, this one uh, comment says this, we seem to have a capacity to only really manage about 140 and 150 relationships, obviously not all to the same degree. And that's true. Some of you think the more numbers you have, the more friends you have, your life, exists in that. Friends, that's not life, church. That's not life. And what happens if we can get into this vortex and we just just thinking our life exists from what other people on social media say about us. You are more valuable than a text or a comment. Amen? Amen? And if that stuff is affecting you and it's negative, I don't know who this is for, you need to cut it out. You know, Bill Gates, back in 2009, he, uh, he gave up on Facebook because he got on it and he had 10,000 friend requests. And he's going, do I, do I know them? Do they know me? Or, I, I? So he quit it, but he got back on in 2010 anyway. So the point is, is maybe there's some stuff you need to cut out. Maybe you need to cut out that social media thing where you have this time constantly because I'm telling you, these phones, they can make you feel like you're possessed, What is it? All right, ready? Let's rewind, especially those of 50 and over. Do you remember the time when there was no phones? And when you had to go make a phone call, you went and you're on the highway, where do you go? I got to go to a rest stop to get a pay phone. (laughs) Boy, have we changed. At our fingertips, we have the whole world. The whole world, and it's increasing. And so that, there may be some good things, but it's too many buds. They need to be pruned, amen? Stand with me if you would, please. Pruning is necessary when you have too many good things in your life that choke out the best things. And so when we talk about work or maybe making money and our vocation, and you know, I, we, we are to commit, we need to be fully leaned into that. But not at the sake of the cost of your marriage. Not at the sake of the cost of your children. Relationships in church, can I get an amen? And the things here about your spiritual growth. Amen. I don't mean that in a legalistic way, but I mean that in a life-giving, encouraging way. Uh, You're going to be more opportunities and more buds in your life and more friends and and, and more media and more social. You know, this generation, I mean, they post everything. They post their kids, you know, first time on the toilet, you know, and then, you know, the first dirty diaper, you know, the first, I mean, I don't need to see that, okay? (laughs) Your life exists more than just what your social media friends think, amen? And so with every head bowed, if you may, I just want to encourage you, there's going to be more things out there for you to sustain, but you got to cut back. That sometimes is a hard choice. And and God is, the spirit of God is, he's committed to our spiritual growth. And he will prune us. But there's a pruning process, even in the natural, that God is encouraging us to take some steps. Being obedient. And maybe there's just some commitments and I just got to put this phone down or or I need to just quit social media here for a while or, or Whatever my music or movies or uh, video games and you're up two three in the morning playing video something is not right it's not right it's not a balance in your life some things need to be plucked out for the best things amen you're here this morning as a pastor i i don't I, i don't have the confidence or the assurance that i know the lord Today is a great day for you to receive Christ. That you, let's pray together corporately before we receive communion that that you could come to a saving knowledge of the Lord. Let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. Start your pruning process. Help me cut out things in my life that are pulling away from you. I give you my life. Take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.